theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. It's an honor to be with you today. We had some good church today and baptized one person in the name of the Lord Jesus. We believe in God. Amen. Today, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. In chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says... The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. In other words, it became messed up, it became ruined, it became disfigured in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. Somebody shout another vessel. I mean, shout another vessel as if you love Jesus. As seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, Cannot I do with you as this potter? saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The vessel that he made in verse 4 of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. Father, we thank you today for your presence that is in the room. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we we thank you that you're already here. Your word is already blessed. And so, Father, we decrease so that you might increase we ask that you speak to us strengthen the weak save the lost raise the dead in trespasses and in sin father i pray that you would heal the sick today would to god that you would fill the empty today have thine own way in jesus name Every glad heart say amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. For the next four and a half hours. Did I, did I, did I say something? 
what, what happened? For the next little while, for the next little while, I want to speak to you on this topic, nice to meet you. Look at somebody and just say, nice to meet you. It don't even matter if you, if you know them or if you think you know them. Amen. Just tell them, nice to meet you. By the help of God today, by the help of the Holy Ghost, amen, I, I, I believe, amen, that this will be true and that the, the real you will emerge by the end of our time together. In fact, I want to open with the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It is my intention today as we walk through the word of God, Amen. I believe that you'll see, if you pay attention, you'll see God's plan from the beginning. You'll see God's intention for us. And sometimes in the hustle and the bustle of life, sometimes in the challenges and the issues that we all face, sometimes there is a clouding of our identity where most people, many people, too many don't often recognize who they really are in God. Don't understand who God intended for us to be. And so uh, the first scripture we want to look at is Genesis chapter 1 verse 4. When in fact if you were to backtrack to verse 1, it gives us how the world came into being. The Bible said in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2 tells us that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered, moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3 says, that's where we find out that the kingdom of God is voice activated. It's important what you say. It's important the words you use. I know growing up they told us that sticks and stones would break my bones, but words will never harm me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Words have the ability to do more damage than physical abuse. That's why there are still adults yet, but uh, they're traumatized. There are people not living their best life. There are people not operating the way that they should because of something somebody said to them. Somebody told them there'd be nothing. Somebody told them they'd never amount to anything. Somebody told them they could never do it, would never do it. Somebody told them something. And so we begin to see as we get to verse 4 that as God created and as God spoke the world into existence out of chaos. That's exciting to me knowing verse 2 says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It excites me to know that even in the midst of chaos all I need is a word from God. 
Things might not be going how you thought, how you plan, how you want them to go. But God has the ability to speak a word that can turn, that can change everything. So when God spoke, the Bible says in verse 4, God saw the light that it was good. What he spoke into being, God said, it is good. Can I tell you? I want to encourage somebody. It doesn't matter what other people see. God saw the light that it was good. What matters is how God sees you. Doesn't matter how the neighbor sees you. Doesn't matter how your, your peers see you. What matters is how God sees you. In verse 10, and God called the dry land earth. And the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Again, I want us echo that it's what God calls you that matters. It's not the name calling. It's not the labeling that society has. It's not the categories that they put us in. But what matters to us is what God says. In verse number 12, the earth brought forth grass and herbs yielding seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And so we, we need to recognize here that you were created to bring forth. You were designed to produce and reproduce. In fact, God said, uh, let's make man in our image. Let them have dominion. God said, be fruitful and multiply. It is God's plan for you to multiply. Want us to recognize today that there is a seed in us. God put something in you and sometimes we focus on the size of the seed. We focus on the fact that the, our present, our current reality might not be uh, demonstrating what God said. But if you would allow yourself to go through the process, God will bring you to the promise. There is a seed in you. Seeds are what lead to harvest. Seed lead to fruit. Seeds unlock harvest. And so a seed really is a unit of reproduction. Seed is capable of developing into another after its kind. A seed begins to replenish and reproduce itself. A seed for the sower. God gives seed for the sower and bread to the eater. I, I love the announcements I heard. I love the e-groups that are happening because it's in those groups, it's in those classes that you're going to begin to recognize and hear and learn and decipher and see what God put inside of you and so when he begins to put a seed instead of eating your seed you'll get your seed in the, gr in the ground when you get your seed in the ground it'll lead to a harvest when you get your seed in the ground it will multiply but often there are people that consume the seed that should have been sown. That's why it's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't consume the seed that you need to sow. 
So in Psalm chapter 1 verse 3, the Bible said, you shall be like a tree, which is uh, the result of a seed. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Can I tell you, it might be dark, you might be in a storm, you might be in a dry season, but you can still produce in the midst of the valley. When your back is against the wall, you can still produce. When you're going through a storm, you can still be who God called you to be. Tree planted by the rivers of water. God was intentional. When God didn't plant you in a dry place, God didn't plant you in a desert. He planted you by the by the rivers of water. He planted you in a place that you could flourish, a place that you could grow. And so I want to bring out four things out of this text. Number one, you're at the right place. Look at that person you've been smiling at. Hopefully, y'all been haven't been flirting. But look at that person you've been smiling at and let them know you're at the right place to flourish. The right place to grow. Number two, it's your time and season to produce. Ecclesiastes tells us to everything there is a time, there is a purpose. To everything there is a season under the sun. I don't know what kind of hell you've been going through. I don't know what kind of pressure you've been under. I don't know what kind of year you had last year. But God told me to tell you, it's your time to grow. It's your time to flourish. It's your time to produce. It's your time and it's your season. Number three, the third point from this text in Psalm 1 verse 3 is that you were created to handle storms. You were created to handle the elements of life and time. Can I tell you, don't be intimidated because the wind is blowing. Don't be intimidated because the wind is boisterous. God designed you to handle the storm. If you're in it, it means that you can handle it. If you're in the valley, you don't have to quit. You don't have to throw in the towel. That's why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I'm not going to fear. I'm just going to keep walking through it you were made you were created to handle it number four fourth thing we see in this text is that text you were made to prosper bible says that he brings forth his fruit in his season and whatsoever he does shall prosper God made you to prosper no wonder John said I wish above all that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers and sometimes we're looking for the material thing we're looking for the external prosperity but we haven't paid attention to our soul that's why the Bible said what should a man give in exchange for his only if you if you gain the whole world and lose your only soul then there is no profit and so in all you're getting in all the pursuits of life like 50 cents you can get rich or die trying but make sure that your soul is secure make sure your soul is secured and so you see that God made us to prosper 
Wanna, what I want us to, to begin to recognize and to see here because sometimes in your attempts, in your endeavors, in your set out and your left home and you, you went off to find prosperity and to find growth and you went out to innovate it and life happened and you got knocked down and you made mistakes and you failed and, and you failed and the enemy, the adversary whispers, the accuser of the brethren, Beelzebub, the father of lies how art thou fallen oh Lucifer I beheld Lucifer fall as lightning he accuses you and make you feel like you're nothing like you're nobody like you'll never make it again like you'll never get up but I hear Job say that there is hope for a tree that if it be cut down it will spring again and bud at the scent of water and this time it won't fail this time its shoots will prosper I want somebody to know today that your failure is not final your failure is not final you will succeed you will make it. You, you are a winner. And it, it doesn't matter who told you you're a loser, who made you feel like a loser. No, that's not who God made you to be. He made you to prosper and you will succeed. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. It's important to understand that success is coming. Increase is coming. More is coming. That's what you were made for. But we've got to put first things first. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If we would put God first. In Psalm 8, verse 3, he says, When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visited, visit him? Have you, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered? Uh, have you ever felt insignificant? Felt like you're nothing? Felt like you're nobody. I want you to see today that God has his hand. God has his plan for you. God has his hand upon your life. The writer says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visited, visit him. Verse 5, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory. And honor thou made him to have dominion authority over the work of your hands you have put all things under his feet you're not a nobody you are extraordinary you're you're not regular you're not like everybody else God gave you authority God gave you power after that the Holy Ghost has come you shall have power and so have you considered who you are have you contemplated have you ever taken the time have you ever paused long enough to consider who you are in God 
And, 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 and let me let you, let me say, it's not your, it's not your PhD, it's not your master's, it's not your degree, it's not your, the, the status, it's not your family name, but have you considered who you are in God? If you would come into the kingdom, if you would allow God to, to, uh, to move you to, into who he called you to be, then you would be great. And you would do exploits. The people that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Have you considered who you are? Have you in fact, when you wake up in the mornings or before you came to church, I've seen some folks as I came in and as we worshipped, you know, some folks like myself don't have time for the mirror. Gotta get, gotta go, you know what I mean? Didn't get up late. You went to bed late and you don't have a lot of time. You just got to brush your teeth and you make sure there's nothing in your, in your eyes. You take a where I'm from. I think they call it uh, matter. They, what do they call it? They, where I'm from, they call it matter. In the Bible, they call it moat or beam. Or what do they call it here? And you take that stuff out and you make sure and you shower and you wipe with the rag and, and you check the mirror and you use it and, and you go. But there are some folks that when they're getting ready, they need about two hours in the mirror. Gotta just shave up and line up and clip up and put up and make up and dress up. And hey amen. Reminds me of Fresh Prince of Bel Air sitting in my basement stuck on a tricycle. Girl getting on my nerves. Going out of my mind, I thought she was fine. Don't know if her body is hers. Don't act like you never watched Fresh Prince of Bel Air. This girl started taking off fingernails and pulling out eyelashes and taking off and wiping off eyeshadow. She took out dentures and took out the weave. And ten minutes later, you couldn't recognize her. Look at your neighbor and say, nice to meet you. <laughs> have, you have you met the real you? That's what I want to leave with today. Have you, have you met the real you? We, we, we're conditioned and we're, we're socialized into putting on facades. And, and, and long before COVID, we, we became expert with masks. And then we knew how to, to hide pain and trauma and disappointment. And we, we know how to masquerade and we know how to put on the show. But have you met the real you? Or, or are, you just, are you just living the life that, the, you, that you think that you're supposed to live? Are you just acting out, manifesting who they said you are? And who they said you're supposed to be. And, and, and you know, one of the dangers is, is and this is why you got to let go of some stuff. You got to let go of bitterness and you got to let go of anger and you got to let go of malice and you got to let go of resentment because it's not difficult. It's very easy to start living a life to prove somebody wrong. And you start living just to prove somebody wrong. Not living the life God intended. Have you met the real you? You're more than what they made you believe. I think of the Scotiabank commercial. You're richer than you 
Sound like y'all done heard it. You're richer than you think. It's my, it's my intention today that we, we are introduced to who God and how God sees us. The Bible, when you look here, we begin to recognize that you are the crown of God's creation. In fact, the Bible said you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What light does, it illuminates. Light begins to reveal the, the imperfections and what's wrong and what I need to change. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I sense the Holy Ghost wanting to pull somebody out of the shadow. Somebody that's faking it till you make it. You ain't got to fake nothing. You just got to come to Christ. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The Bible tells us that you, you have dominion and authority. You are Look at your neighbor. They're going to like this one and tell them, tell them you're armed and dangerous. Ain't got to pat you down. Ain't got to, we don't need a metal detector, but you're armed and dangerous. You just don't know it. You just don't know that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You just don't know that if God before us, who can be against us? Maybe you haven't heard that we are more than conquerors. Maybe you haven't heard that God intended for you to be the head and not the tail above only and not be. Do you know who you are? In our text today, in our text in Jeremiah chapter 1, 5, he says, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. There's three things. There are three things I want to extract from this text. He says, Before I've put you. Before I formed you in the belly, it was God he, that, that put you in the womb of development. Number one, the first thing, God was the one that formed you. God was the one that did it. The process you went through, the incubation period, the desert, the valley, the dry season, whatever you experienced, God was the one that did it. Secondly, he said, I sanctified you. God set you apart. And now, now here's what we need to know. When God sanctifies you, when God sets you apart, it's not for your purpose, but it's for God's purpose. It's not so you can be famous or popular, get likes or followers. No, it's for God's purpose. And if God needs to set you apart and bring you to a valley so that people can see that God is not just the God of the mountain, but he's the God of the valley. It's for his purpose. Thirdly, he said, I ordained you. He predetermined it. Before I formed you, I knew what you were going to be. I, I predetermined it. And so it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Sometimes we blame God and when we don't blame God, we blame ourselves. It's not your fault. 
And sometimes we live inferior and we have uh, inferiority complexes and we have low self-esteem. But I came to liberate somebody today. I came to lose somebody today. I want you to know that you were chosen by God. And it's not your fault you were chosen. I came to let you know that you are anointed by God. And it's not your fault you're anointed. Don't take it up with me. God is the one that anointed me. God is the one that decided to put his hand on me and so don't get jealous don't get envious don't get mad you can go to God it ain't my fault I'm anointed it ain't my fault I'm blessed God was the one that did it look at your neighbor and tell him God did it God God did it that also means that some of those dark nights you've had God allowed it it also means that some of those high hurdles you've had to scale, some of those obstacles you've had to navigate, God allowed it. I think of the story of Samson. And the Bible said that, you know, if you, for those of you that don't know, there was a guy in the Bible by the name of Samson. His father's name was Manoah. And the Bible said that Samson had some particulars and some rules that his parents were told by the angel. You can't drink wine, nothing strong, and, and he couldn't shave his head and certain things he wasn't supposed to do because he had to take a vow and God was going to use him. Now, one of the things that you see in the story of Samson, bro, everybody wants to be strong like Samson, but nobody wants the standard. We want the strength, we want the anointing, but we don't want the standard. Can I, can I help somebody? The anointing doesn't come without a standard. The anointing doesn't come without a process of sanctification. You can't be anointed and be like everybody else. You can't be used by God and act the fool like everybody else. But you got to learn how to walk with God. And Samson didn't quite listen. Uh, you, you know, not, not, I know here at Extraordinary Church, everybody's good and perfect and we don't make mistakes and, and we got it going on. But, but Samson had some issues with some ladies. I know that doesn't happen here. Don't look at nobody. Just look up and say amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Don't look at nobody. Ain't talking about you, bruh. Talking about Samson. And Samson, Samson had some issues and he saw a girl and he went and got her. And then he got to uh, Delilah and he went and got her. And, and mom and dad said, bro, can't you just find one of our kind of girls? You know, you know, one of them apostolics, one, one of them holy rollers, you know, one of them that knows how to live right. And Samson, that's not what I want. I, 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 Samson reminds me a little bit of me. When I met my wife some years ago. I, 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 I felt like Samson. In fact, I was quoting scripture when I saw my wife. Might not be an accurate scripture, but when I saw her, I said, the Lord is my shepherd and I see what I want. <laughs> Samson. Samson must have known the Psalms. Must have known the Psalms. The Bible said that he pursued Delilah and, and he ends up sleeping with her and putting his head in her lap and end up getting his locks cut off and you know there's only so long you can play with fire 
There's only so long you can sleep with the enemy. But, but, but here, I bring up Samson to make the point that, that God said, the Bible said, and his parents did not know that this thing, this issue that Samson had was, he said, the Bible said, this thing was of the Lord. Because he sought an occasion against the Philistines. Can I tell you? God will bring you through some stuff because he's got a plan. God will allow some stuff because he's got a purpose. God will let you go through hell. He'll drag you through mud just to get his plan accomplished. And so, in our text, Jeremiah chapter 18 Verse number two, after he hears the, the word of the Lord to go down to the potter's house. He said, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. The potter's house. And then uh, let me throw this in here. There are some things that you're, you'll only see, you'll only hear in the house of God. Now, and I know, I know we got online and, and God bless you, those of you that are watching from around the world. But, but there's a glory that gathers in the house. There's something powerful when, when the people of God come together. There's a glory cloud that descends in the house. And there are some things that you only experience in the house of God. No wonder the writer of Hebrews said that we should not neglect, we should not forsake the assembling, the coming together of ourselves as the manner of some is. But I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When you come, when you hear the worship, when you lift your hands, there is a joy, there is a peace. It, it destroys yokes when you come into the house of God. In verse 3, you begin to see that there's work going on in the house. He said, go to the potter's house and there I would cause you. I, he went down, he says, rather to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. The potter was working. And those of you that might be on the fence, those of you that maybe haven't jumped in yet, there is work in the house. There's work in the kingdom. There, those of you that haven't quite uh, uh, put your hand to it yet, God has something for you to do. No wonder Jesus said that we should work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can see the work. There's work in the house to do. Can you imagine if everybody, instead of the Pareto principle, the Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. Where 80% of the people uh, 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 kind of just kind of sit back and 20% do all of the work. Instead of that principle, can you imagine what EC would be like? Can you imagine what the kingdom of God would be like if everybody said, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. Can you, can you imagine what Mississauga would be like how we would turn the world upside. Can you imagine the territory we would take, the souls we would, set, we would reach? Can you imagine the lives that would be changed if everybody could say to God, I'm available. I'm available. There's work in the house. In verse number four, the Bible says that the vessel that he made, the potter, 
was making the vessel and whatever he was making became marred in the hand of the potter. They, they don't have it anymore. But when I was in junior high, they had something called, it was like a woodwork shop. I forgot the name of the class. But, you know, they would use real tools. Wasn't anything digital. And uh, they'd give, uh, they gave us a piece of wood and you could have made anything. And I made a bowl for my mom. And everybody said, oh. I made a bowl for my mom and you put it on the machine and it had the pedal and it's spinning the thing. And if you've ever worked with wood, you know how all that works. I'm not all that great with my hands. And, and I made this thing, this wood, out of just a block of wood, turned it into a bowl. And Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he sees the potter who represents God. He sees the potter working with clay. And the Bible said that as he was working with clay, remember, this is not his first rodeo. This is not the first time the potter is working with clay. But the Bible said, and the vessel that he was making, it became marred in the hand of the potter. It became bruised. It became broken. It became messed up. What do you do when you're doing your best to live for God? And you experience brokenness. What do you do when you're doing your best to live for God. And people bruise you. You feel like. Feels like life has been ruined. The Bible said that there was no panic. The potter didn't panic. The potter didn't throw away the clay. The potter didn't say I have. The clay has no value or purpose. The Bible said. So, as much as the clay was marred in the hand of the potter, the second part of verse 4 says, So he made it again another vessel. As seemed good for the potter to make it. There are a few things I want to bring out from this verse. Number one, God has a design in mind. And maybe right now you feel deformed or broken or bruised. Maybe somehow you've been marred from a past relationship or some type of rejection. Maybe somehow you've been wounded along the way and you feel messed up. You're in the house. On the potter's wheel. But broken. Broken on the potter's wheel. But hurting. The Bible said so he made it again. Another vessel. You're in the kingdom. But you've been bruised. The second thing marred, messed up here means ruined. And that happens to us. Life happens. People sometimes say things and treat you some ways. And, and it can make you feel broken. It can, it can bruise you. It can bruise you. It's not quite like a cut. Didn't break the membrane of the skin. But beneath the surface you've been bruised. Behind the mask, you're hurting. Behind the mask, you're broken. You present a good front in the house, but bruised. Number three, failure is not final. Failure is not final because you failed, because you've made mistakes. That's not the end of your story. Number four, as much as all those things happen, you're still in God's hands. 
you're still in the hand of the potter. The Bible said he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter. Can I tell you God can use your brokenness and heal somebody. God can turn your, your, your sadness and your mourning into joy. God can take, take you from the darkest of night and give you joy and light. Still in his hands. Number five, God still has a plan. And as much as you've failed, as much as you've fallen, as much as you've made mistakes, as much as what happened, happened, God still has a plan. Can I tell you, a recession, uh, a pandemic doesn't change the plan of God for your life. Just because your back is against the wall, just because you're going through a valley, it doesn't change the fact that God still has a plan for you. And so number six, it's a makeover. It's a makeover. Long before we were using the word pivot, the potter always knew how to, how to take us through pivots. The potter always knew how to pivot and, and how, to, how, to, how to work the, the brokenness and the hurt and the pain. No wonder the Bible said, and we, all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose. And number seven, the last point from this verse, he made it into another vessel. Now imagine if he was making a, a bowl or a dish and it gets marred. When he makes another vessel, perhaps he changed to a pitcher. Perhaps he changed to a cup, a mug, a vase. Maybe you say vase. Perhaps he, he, he changed, but he made another vessel something unrecognizable have you ever met some people you know how messed up they were and then you meet them after they have met Jesus after they have come in contact with Jesus and you scratch your head wondering if that's the same person Maybe you're the person that was messed up and, and broken and hurting, but, but you had a little talk with Jesus and he changed your life. He turned everything around to the extent that you are unrecognizable. Stand with me. I'm just about through. It's been four and a half hours. In John chapter 9, verse 8. The Bible said the neighbors, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? That's how they knew him. That was their memory of him. That was their identity to him. The scripture said that some said he was and others said no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, no, you're right. I'm the one that sat and begged. I'm the one that used to. It's me. And I want to I wanna prophesy to somebody today that maybe in a place that you feel like you're begging in a place that you feel like you're not moving you're not going forward like this beggar God's going to give you a testimony 
God's going to pick you up. God's going to raise you up. God, God's going to make you into another vessel. You're going to become unrecognizable. And you're going to be able to say, no, no, no. I'm the one that was broke, busted, and disgusted. The old song said, look what Jesus did when he washed me. God's going to give you a testimony. It's going to give you a testimony. As I close in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. The Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. It's nice to meet you. If you're here today, I feel the Holy Ghost here. You're tired of the old you. Tired of the facade. They're tired of the pretense. Just want to be who God designed you to be. And when he was thinking about you, he said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. God has always known your name. He has always known that this day would come that this moment would come and maybe you've been buried under the rubble of criticism maybe you've been buried under the rubble of failure and mistakes and disappointments maybe you've been traumatized you've been abused and mistreated maybe you've experienced whatever it is that you've experienced. We want to meet you today. God is calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you're here, maybe there's a sense like the caterpillar you're willing to, to shed the cocoon that keeps you grounded and, and, and press through the process so you could soar, so you could fly. I'm inviting you to come today to, to the, what we call the altar. Come down to the front. Come with some courage and with some boldness to step into who God made you to be. All you know is that there's a seed of potential in you. All you know is that there's more for you. All you know that this is not it. This is, this is not it. You, you, you don't know what it looks like, but you know that God has more. Won't you come? Come quickly. Come. Step into it. Don't let, the, don't let another whisper. Don't let, a, don't let the enemy deceive and trick and block. And don't, don't let him whisper another lie in your spirit. Nice to meet you. Come on. Come on. When God said, let there be light, and God saw the light, that it was good. With mistakes and failures and everything, God says you're good. Says you're good. Says you're good. Says you're good. And God saw that it was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And he separated the dry land from the earth and he called the dry land. Thanks for listening to our podcast. 
Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.